And then my friends, and welcome to the Take a Deep Breath podcast. My name is Mike Mayer. I'm going to be your breathwork coach and host. And today I have my good friend, David Jackson, Jacko, on the podcast. And I met Jacko uh, in Ireland last year. He's a master oxygen advantage instructor, an ex-professional rugby player. Um, and he's got a really interesting story. Um, a bit of tragedy in there, some brain issues that happened on the rugby pitch. And he discovered the breath. And um, he's a lovely guy. Um, and not what I think of when I think of rugby players. Scary, big men. Um, I couldn't be a rugby player. I tried when I was a kid. Obviously, it didn't end very well. Um, and it's just, he's, he's a lovely guy. And I got to hang out with him in Ireland and his wife. Um, we did a podcast, a live one on Instagram a little while ago. And um, Jacko did this incredibly amazing and scary, a wonderful thing where he did this thing called a ring of fire, where he basically ran... 200 kilometers more 216 kilometers in three days and the documentary just came out so i wanted to get this podcast timed as best i could for that so if you could do me a favor after you've watched this conversation or listened to it if you could then click on these links below in the show notes or in the description and check out jacko's beautiful emotional uh documentary about how and why he completed this grueling nasal run um very inspiring very very inspiring so so i'm proud to to say he's a friend i think this guy is wonderful um he is a functional breathing guru he's got his own app out i've put all of his links down below jacko i hope you're well uh you're an inspiration my friend so keep doing what you're doing um and uh, everybody enjoy the breath cast there we go cheers um how you doing today? You all right? Uh, yes, no, very good. Uh, always excited to uh, talk to you and also to talk about breath. So there's two lovely things to, to pin together. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation because like, there's just so many bits that we're going to get to talk about today. Um, and I want to talk about a bit about your backstory. I want to talk about Ring of Fire for people. Uh, I want to talk a bit about your rugby career. There's so many areas. I don't know how we'll have to try and squeeze as much as we can into, <laughs> into the next hour. Um, let's let's start, mate, if you don't mind. Like, um, what was your what was your first like dabble with like conscious breathing where you started to do breathing exercises or became aware of the breath? That might be a good place to start. Where where was that for you? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. It's almost um difficult to go when exactly what that when that was but i can remember an instant when i was told like pre actually that it's almost like you know like in star wars and then they did like the the pre what do they call it when it's like oh. um you know they, they brought all them new star Wars. i'm going yeah. a massive tangent here basically i'm going to answer your question by even going before what you even asked for in the question in the I remember being at, um, I didn't have my shoulder or something and I was uh, the physio at the gym, um, had a session and she was like looking at my shoulder and she started working further down the chain. And I, at this point, I understood from a strength and conditioning perspective, like kinetic chain principles, as in like one part of your body can affect another part of the body. It's connected by fashion or things, but I was a bit short sighted or minded at that point and, and immature. Um, and she got down towards, worked down the chain through the chest, like down towards the diaphragm. She was like, gosh, your diaphragm. She was like, you really need to do some work on, on this. And I was like, uh, not interested. My shoulder hurts. Treat my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I mean, this must have been, this was a few years after I finished. I retired from rugby 2013. 
So this was maybe like 2000 and say 15, 16, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was a couple of years after that, um, that I'd come across some research that was showing the relationship between brain injuries and dysfunctional breathing, or you, you know, your respiratory center and the brainstem being affected by, by concussions, by brain injuries. And I'd, I'd had quite a severe brain injury that ended my rugby career in 2013. Um, and I thought I'd made a full recovery, but it always felt to me like the handbrake was slightly on. That's how I sort of described it. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm going, but there's something just slightly holding me back. And I was, I was searching for something at the same time. I'm coming around this research and being like, well, breathing, you do that a lot. <laughs> what if you're doing it just a little bit wrong? Just the sheer number of repetitions you do per day, like the cumulative buildup of that's going to be quite big. And I was, I was looking for something, maybe there's something going on in the background that's affecting like lots of aspects of me because I'm getting loads of injuries and these types of things. And so um, I was, I was, I was ego and I was curious, let's say, and then went, it was sort of, then as you do, you start following anyone to do with sort of breathing and stuff. I actually came, my door into the auction advantage was um, uh, Richie Norton. Um, he was called himself, the, he was the strength temper that time. We'd had him on our podcast. I went to one of his workshops, his yoga instructor as well. And we, he did this workshop where it was like, it was a bit of yoga, but it was a bit of breath work. There's a little bit of sort of hyperventilation as well as like some of the slower breath holding stuff. So a bit of a bit of a mixture. And I was just like, oh gosh, I've like what all this stuff. I was like, it's all like, okay, you've made us do this breathing thing and that breathing thing. I found that really hard. Like maybe I'm actually, I am really rubbish at breathing. Maybe my brain injury has affected my breathing. Like I want, I need to know more about this. Like it, there's something mm -hmm. else going on than just, you don't need to worry about your breathing. It just happens on its own. It was, it was, it was more than that. And, and he was the one that said, look, um, read the, get the auction advantage, read that book. It's a game changer. And, you know, I, I trusted him, um, and I thought he, and he does, he knows what he's talking about. And so I was like, when someone says, someone that you trust says, this book's a game changer, you buy it on Amazon immediately, it arrives, other bookstores are available. And, you know, and you read it. And I read that things, I'm not good at reading. I was nearly, I didn't fail English at school, but I, I nearly did, bad at English and bad at reading. But I read that book the fastest I've ever read anything. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, going around shouting at everyone about how important it was that they were breathing through their nose and that type of thing. And um, yeah, I was really encapsulated by what Patrick McKee and the author done. Uh, I assume your listeners are, are a fay with, with Patrick's work that, you know, he made it scientific, but rational and easy enough to understand, but was able to like trust it based on, based on the science and based on the research he was referencing. So me as a, I've got like a scientific background, a degree in engineering as someone with like sort of like quite an in, uh, inquisitive mind and sort of thinking quite scientifically. I, I needed that for me to have the buy-in to then go and try something. I think I remember, um, uh, watch it or trying to listen to like a, a meditation on youtube once and like you know try try like be, being like i'm trying here like i, I get it people say anything you should do it and trying it and then just like the sound of the ocean in the background of this recording and listen and i lasted a, i don't know i lasted a few seconds and i just couldn't do it just turned it off and i didn't have i didn't get it if you know what i mean i needed to i needed to understand it first before then 
I would believe that it would work and therefore then actually try and do it. So mm. my own stupidity, I think, standing in the way, but that's just the way my mind works. I think that's most people, you know, I, I struggle with meditate and I still do. Meditation for me has took like many forms um, and I've really struggled with it for a long time. And, and then but the good thing about adding the breath to it for me, it just gave you something else to focus on. Um, yeah. But I think, I think that's most of us, you know, do because like we're all distracted to maximum degree with phones and the constant next shiny thing. But no, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. At what point then did you go from, somebody that really enjoyed the book to go in, I want to be an instructor or I want to do more. What was the, what was the next uh, right. steps after that? Yeah. I mean, uh, so at that point I was strength and conditioning coach, mm-hmm. um, working with so Paralympic athletes towards, um, it had been, we'd have done the Rio games and we're working towards the Tokyo games, which ended up getting put back here, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, what, I mean, we had, I remember having Patrick on the, reached out to Patrick, had him on our podcast, just got, uh, I love the Irish accent as well as just him. He's just such a nice bloke. It was just like, oh God, like I, I just sort of fell in love with him um, in a safe way. He's fine. I've met him and we're still friends. It's not, it's not got weird yet. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I did things like the bolt, top, bolt score. I was like nine seconds. It was like, God, and then tried running uh nasal breathing and i just couldn't do it and for one it was like the one time in my life where rather than my ego saying well if you can't do it it must just be a load of rubbish i actually went god if i can't hold my breath for more than nine seconds and have this like strong urge to breathe in or if i can't breathe through my nose whilst i go out for a jog like and i've understood the, the science and everything behind like that's just that should be normal I was like, I need to do something about this, like for, for my health, for my, for, for my, my brain rehabilitation or the, the, the finishing of that itself, finishing the ongoing, ongoing process. You know, I can't finish that ongoing process of it. And, um, I actually saw some really good improvements in my running initially. Um, and that got me like really excited about it from a performance perspective, so that really got me into it. And then, you know, I've really struggled with like the breathing light, like you, like, like you, that like the, the stillness and meditation of the breathing light. Whereas I got really into like the breath holding and, and I saw loads of good benefits from that. Um, but yeah, as time went on, I was just got to a bit of a sticking point with it after say a year or something. And I was like, I need to understand this better so that I can really read the benefits. I feel like I'm reading, I'm, I'm not as experiencing this is, is quite as many benefits as Patrick's documenting. I'm seeing some, so I, I I believe in it, but I don't think I'm doing all of the stuff right. And I don't, I don't fully understand it. Um, so I actually just did the um, instructor training just from, just because I wanted to understand it better. Oh. Um, I had no, no desire um, to, to coach it. I mean, I don't even think at that time I was thinking, Oh, I, it might, I might be able to use it with some of the athletes I'm working with. Um but you have to do three case studies mm-hmm. to get certified. And I loved how simple the teach, the, the like practical application of it was. If I think of what I did with those three case study clients back then, like I'd laugh at it now, but only because you get better, you should get better as time goes on. But you know, it, it was, it would have all been good sound information like breathe for your nose be aware of your breathing breathe with you know, teach them how to breathe the diaphragm and i love the fact that it was like it was just something that everyone does and everyone can benefit from if i can help another individual 
breathe more efficiently, breathe better, like that is going to have an impact mm. on a sliding scale from like life changing, which is what some people say to you. You think, crikey, all I've done is teach you how to just teach your body to do what it actually knows how to do. I believe the body knows how to breathe. And our job as coaches is to just try to help them understand and then just take away some of those barriers or restrictions that have, have built up through habits or external factors over, over time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I loved how simple it was. I loved the, it felt like a, it felt like a slightly more, I didn't realize this at the time. This is something that's been happening to me over the last, I don't know, year or so of just, it felt like looking back at it now, it felt like a, it's a little bit more, personal relationship in that like you when you work um in the gym as a as a strength conditioning coach with an athlete like yeah you'll get to know the if, particularly when you're working one-on-one you get to know the people well and you're pretty close and you're in each other's face pretty much type of thing you know you um and you you know you might get hands-on in certain situations like helping them with weights or whatever but when you when you're helping someone work on something as like as delicate as just their breath um it just felt like a a little bit of a deeper experience or people would end up talking about, you know, things that make them stressed because they notice their breathing changes when they're stressed. Mm. It just, it just felt a little bit more, I can't think of the words. I'm not very good at English, like I said, but a bit more like purposeful or life-changing magical. I don't know. There's, there was something, something in it that I just, yeah, just loved. And it was, it was nice to feel like I was doing something that someone could use for the rest of their life until they take their last breath and everyone's included. Mm -hmm. There's nobody that's not breathing. There were all, all the people that aren't breathing are dead. And so the work I was doing before was only with a certain type of athletic population. And I guess there was a bit of a desire in, in me of, I love helping people and I get a kick out of that. And then I'm one of those annoying type of people that when I learn something that's like really helped me, I can't help, but like <laughs> try to share it. So yeah, yeah, that's where it wasn't intentional, but um, yeah, it just rolled from there. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, I, I really enjoy it when people ask what I do, because it's like, it's one of those things where like, you know, no disrespect if you're an accountant or bookkeeper or, or whatever, you know, they're all important roles, but um, I've got a cousin that's really like uh, quite big in like, the bookie world like you know the gambling world okay. and stuff yeah, yeah and so for some people that's really interesting but for some people i'm not a gambler so it doesn't, doesn't register on me but with breathing like I said, everyone's doing it yeah. so so most people that when they ask you what you're doing they, they're kind of like huh they, there's a there's a there's an intrigue there there's a curiosity um and it normally leads to like a conversation and then when you start um opening it up like yesterday i was in this i was in the corner <laughs> area and there's this big guy there he's like in really good shape and i was like oh what are you doing because oh, I, I train kids how to box I was like, oh, dude, what's your, what's the breathing techniques like? And he's like asking me, and he's like, oh, we go, we go in. I hadn't heard it this way because we go in through the mouth and out through the nose because we've got the mouth guard in. I was like, oh, that's complete opposite of what I've come across. I don't know if it's yeah. actually right or not, but that's how he's getting the air in and, and controlling yeah. their breath. I didn't have time to like pick at him to go, is that right? Could you yeah, do it a different yeah. way? But anyway, it just it just turned into like a bit of an interesting, interesting yeah. conversation. But uh, I, yeah. I almost get embarrassed in a way because i feel like i had so many misconceptions myself about like, yeah. breathing like you know, i was literally like that physio was going into my diaper and i was like breathing now whatever like so i'm aware probably hyper aware or very aware that 
people might be like that. So if someone asks what I do, I sort of like go, I almost don't really know what to say. I'm like, help people breathe better but you probably gonna think that's stupid like but i promise you it's not i don't know yeah it's funny it's interesting it's a funny it's a funny although i do think like when we're talking like 10 years time it's gonna be such a, a more accepted things like somebody saying i'm a yoga instructor in like 1995 or something that'll probably yeah. be like what's that that's like some weird thing from like a really far away country whereas now yeah. everybody i know is yeah. somebody that's a yoga instructor but uh yeah oh cool man so yeah so you went through the training really for you and then you started yeah. using it for your strength and conditioning. Cool. And then when was that? Was that when did you do that training? When did I do that? Was that 2019? Right. Okay. So then sort of three years on, you're master instructor now. So do you want to just explain what that kind of means? Because that's I th- I think it's like a really privileged position that we're in with that title. So but <laughs> yeah. I was um it meant I was very, very excited when I got that email. Um, yeah. yeah, no, um, Essentially, it means that um, we have been given the um, responsibility Mm. um, to primarily uh, provide the certification for for others under the guidance and under the umbrella of the Oxford. So, you know, you can become... Um, certified uh, breathwork instructor with the Oxford Vantage with Patrick McKeon. Like I, that's how I did. I did it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, there's a, a host of I think there was like forty odd of us um, that came together in Ireland recently mm-hmm. um, or last year for the uh, for for a big event and um, yeah, all over the world. So different master instructors in, in different parts um, of the world, and you can go and train with them. And, and each master instructor has um a different skill set and a different sort of speciality which you know can be you can lean into when you're when you're delivering obviously the core teachings is is all the same um but yeah that's a, a great privilege and a, mm. and a and a and yeah quite a feels like it is big responsibility um now as we record this now i've done two courses so far and, and i'm about in um, don't know when this will go, but in January 2023, I'm doing my doing my third one. I've got some more planned for the 2023 year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it's been something that I love. I love I love working with clients, but then there's there's an element where I like variety in general. But I I love working with other coaches. I love the mentoring um, aspect of it as well. And you know, for me, it's not about it's not about get someone becoming certified. It's about someone really understanding what they're doing, understanding the coaching process and actually creating, you know, fantastic, conf- you know, confident or, you know, fantastic coach instructors that are confident to, to deliver, you know, the, the amazing work that Patrick has done and sharing with the world and just make, allow that to be shared yeah. wider because there's so many people that, that need it. And like, you know, we can't, you know, if, if I go and teach as many people as I can, is X number, but if if I can do that and teach some people to teach other people, then they might teach other people, and teach it. that's how it starts to extrapolate out. And um, yeah, it's just it's a blessing. It really is just a blessing to be to be part of that. And it comes from me. It comes from a, a place in my heart where I needed it. Um, so yeah, I feel very fortunate for that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, when I did my um, first bolt score. Uh, I think it was like 11 seconds or something. And yeah. I was like, oh, is that good? I don't know. And then you see, the, <laughs> you see the charts, like, oh shit, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, and then um, 
what's been really good for me is to go on that journey myself and you know you 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 start to try the different techniques and the breathing exercises and you put things into practice yeah and that only just makes you like a better coach because you've gone through it um because yeah. you know i've i've, I've I, I personally struggled with panic a lot so as soon as i would do the, the breath holds on empty lungs yeah it was it was it was not long before i was like millimeters away from a panic attack yeah. and so I've, yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've had to work on that and now i can't i can't get there i'll try really hard with the breath hold yeah. it gets uncomfortable but the panic's gone away so yeah. it's good because sometimes you'll speak to people that have that kind of panic disorder yeah. and it's nice to have it. anyway um, yeah no no you're right there's yeah. there's nothing there's nothing like being able to literally you know honestly and authentically say to somebody i know what that feels and this is this is how we're going to help you and it's funny as a coach at the time when you're like oh i'm supposed to be teaching this but uh i i I wish my bolt scores better but actually as you say and you do have that but actually being grateful and thankful actually if you're working through some some hard stuff that you say that makes you makes you a stronger person makes you a better yeah. better coach i say it to when i'm mentoring people a lot of the time that every, no, not every, that there's a lot of people will struggle with like you know they don't feel they're good enough at the exercises rather than as mm-hmm. a coach you need to be interested in how good are you at coaching it and helping somebody else be able to come better yeah. at it yeah for sure yeah that that's a skill in itself isn't it being able to like read the people look at their breathing and, yeah. and adapt and, and, yes. and integrate it it's it's, it's it's a real privilege and um it's it's a real joy when you impact someone's life as well and you get an email like a few months later going oh my god you know bulk score's gone up and I, I, my dad is the one i always quote you know because um he uh he watched James the James Nest interview, but on Joe yeah. Rogan. And he's like, oh, I've just saw this dude on, on Joe Rogan. I was like, yeah, no, I interviewed him myself. He's like, oh, did you? I was like, oh. Anyway, typical, <laughs> typical dad thing. Yeah. And yeah. um, and then from that moment, because he, he would go out on his bike a lot, and he was like, oh, I can't, I can't nose breathe. I've got a deviated septum. So yeah. he's always, I was like, just try, just try like, and just do like a minute and then build up. And as the year would progress, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I did like 10 minutes. And and now he's like, I do my whole bike ride with my mouth shut. And like, nice. he thought that was impossible, you know, a couple of yeah. years. It's really cool when you see somebody who's like 64, 65, getting that knowledge and implementing it and obviously feeling better. So it's it's, it's that sort of stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, have you played with any of the big breathing exercises? Because this is what I'm interested in, because... Um, um, I call it the breathing scale. So on one side, you've got like Bateco and Oxygen Advantage. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got like Holotropic and Rebirth. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. When you said that, yeah, I was wondering where this, I wonder where this was going with Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, and so like on this side, on the Bateco, you might get down to like one breath per minute, which is yeah. bonkers. You know, you can really, really slow. And on this side, you might go as high as 100 breaths per minute. You know, and there's a whole like load of benefits and stresses and things. Have you played with any of the big stuff? So, um Hey guys, just a very quick one. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. Um, if you get any value from this podcast, then maybe you would like to be on my email newsletter. Uh, if you click on the link below, I won't spam you. I'll be sending you some free breathing exercises and anything I learn along the way. And you can unsubscribe at any time. So the link is down below and I will welcome you on the newsletter. And uh, let's get back on with the podcast. Cheers. Answer, short answer, yes. When you say big stuff... Um... Interesting. Just I find it interesting to use that term because, like the uh, anyway, yeah, but yeah, mm. um, yeah. The answer being yes. So, um, like a lot of people will have, um, and and I like the I've got you know, coming across Wim Hof. So, I, and I like the cold. And you mentioned about like finding it difficult to a way into meditation, mm. pairing the cold with the oxygen advantage breathing. So pairing cold with breathing light. Mm. Um, 
is my current best form of of meditation it basically forces that and what i would hope that i can do is progress to being able to like not need the cold to get me into that mm. state if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but yeah no um played around with the um with some some hyperventilation style wim hof breathing holding the breath afterwards and being like how come you can hold your breath for ages like knowing knowing no and, and very much for me being like well i feel like you should know what i feel like i should know what i'm doing Do you know what i mean it was that it was that type of that was part of the process of me seeking what patrick provides with the oxygen advantage mm-hmm. um i've still and i don't get on massively well with it or it just doesn't doesn't fit me or what i'm trying to achieve out of mm. my breathing practice but i have played with i've done a couple of sessions um and had a couple of like quite interesting experiences with um um uh, jamie clements um breath mm. uh you should get him on the you know i'll send you his um okay. what's his um i forget his uh instagram now breath space or breath underscore space oh, okay anyway um yeah i'll, I'll hook you you'll you mm. have a good interview then another ex-rugby lad actually okay um and uh does some like the session he did with us was like con- conscious connected breathing he's he's done the oxygen advantage like he does functional breathing but he he does some he calls it conscious connected breathing we we did a um there's three of us did a workshop like a workshop a, a whole day of various different breathing things i did like more of a sports performance type of one he did this at the end of the day and um mm. yeah i i I went to an interesting place, um, but it's not. So, it, it's just. It's not something where I'm currently at that I don't I, that I practice it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I know that people are always going to come and ask questions around, like, "Oh, what's the difference between Oxvantage and, and Wim Hof? Or have you tried this? Or what's happening with that?" So I, I, I definitely wanted to have experienced. Um, these things to be able yeah. to like authentically say, okay, this is what's happening. I know what that feels like. I've experienced that. And, and it is, and it's interesting. I heard, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about James Nestor before I heard him. So I don't know how far he's got with it, but he was off. I heard him in an interview a few months ago, maybe six months ago, but talking about wanting to understand that side, like the holotropic breathing and understand what's going on further. And he was sort of theory is theorizing that like maybe the levels of hypoxia go to the, the brain's almost like shutting down because it thinks it's dying. Yeah. And then that's so you have these like near death experience type of things. That's the type of thing that I felt like I had a little bit. Um, but he was like, there's not really any research I'd like to know more. And he was offering to give his like body um to that research. Um, so I don't know how far he's got on that, but it'd be uh yeah, be be interesting. I've heard another guy um mention, I don't know his I don't know his full name, but, but on on Instagram is breath loop breath breath illusion okay again he could be another good person to have yeah. on he's done buteco he does a lot of cold as well but he um heard him talking about it from from this perspective he was saying that um he was imagining it being that like you're doing the hyperventilation and stressing the body mm. and then um the whole sort of like thing around like releasing trauma and that type of stuff he was he was from his perspective he was thinking that it was more a case of like your brain and body like doesn't want to breathe like that. It doesn't want all that stress. Mm. So it throws up all these like bad memories and traumas Mm. 
to try and make you stop. Interesting. That's what he was. Yeah. But it's one of those, which I thought was really interesting and and a really nice perspective. But, you know, like James Ness is saying, until someone tries to do a bit more, is able to do some more research on it. We don't Mm. really know what is going on, but something's going on. That's for sure. Something. (laughs) I I don't know if I told you this in Ireland, but I'll tell you, I did did a rebirthing session just before I got to Ireland. Oh, no, no. So that was mental. I won't go into the full story now, but it was literally a week before. And um, we went to this uh, place in Glastonbury and the water's the same temperature as your body. It's 37 degrees. So it's really freaking hot and you get in. And the plane, the, the plane, the womb noise in the background says, and you start right. doing conscious connected breathing. And then you put a snorkel on and a nose clip and you go face down in the water while there's two of them holding you. And I don't <laughs> quite know what's going on, but your body, your brain basically thinks it's being reborn again. Right. And so you go through the process of being a baby. You can't, I couldn't move my hands. Right. I, I stopped breathing for like two minutes. So you feel like you're in the womb. I, I I can only describe it like it was a really extreme form of hypnosis. I was observing the whole thing, but I was way, way back in my brain watching it going, oh, this is really freaking interesting. What's going to happen next? And wow. um, the bit I, I the bit I was telling somebody today was I was I was um I was uh under the water doing the conscious connected breathing and I could hear this girl screaming. And I thought that's a bit rude because I'm doing my session. Why are you why are you doing that? And it was me, and I was so disconnected that on every breath I could just hear this like screaming going through the tube. Uh, anyway, there was a whole like process. It took like two hours, and um, all this all this trauma was released. But I don't know what if if the trauma is being released. But there was definitely an emotional release. Um, mm. Anyway, it, I'm going back this weekend for like another yeah. dose of it. So I'm going to see what happens this time. But uh, interesting. Any- any ongoing, so not to interview you, but mm. any ongo- has anything changed for you after that? Um, <laughs> uh, when I'm in the gym, I've got a gym in my garage downstairs and uh, I've normally got the Inception music playing, not Inception, Interstellar, you know, the docking scene from Interstellar. Right. Where he's, so I've got that on loop and I'm just like lifting the heaviest weights I can. Every now and again, I'll just burst into tears and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And it's not, I'm not sad or anything. So right. it's, it's weird. It's brought this like emotional thing to the surface a little bit, but right. I don't know. I, 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 again, it's a good question. I don't know what to do with that information. Um, but, but I'm going back this weekend. So I'm going to ask them some questions and do a bit of a bit of podcast about it. But uh, in either way, I'm trying to sample like you, you know, I want to sample different breath yeah, work yeah. bits. Uh, anyway, different things. So um, let's speaking get back of, on. Yeah, speaking on. of, speaking of crying. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk of uh, ring of fire then my friends. So, well, that, yeah. that brings us on nicely. That's the segue. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, do you want to just cue people up what, it, what it is and why you do it? And then let's talk about what happened on the, on the actual few days. Um, you spend three days crying, looking at your feet, um, as you run around Anglesey in North Wales. Uh, no, it's, um, it's, uh, I wrote a blog about it, uh, for ultra running, ultra running magazine, uh, that I finished today and actually titled the article uh, that they'd asked me to write an article. I, I titled the article. I hope they run with it. Uh, the story of not being an ultra runner, um, <laughs> because I, um, Yes, it's an ultra marathon. It's mm. multi day, so it's three days. Uh, it's 135 miles in total, which is 216 kilometers uh, across the three days. You run around the island of, of Anglesey, uh, which is a coastal path. There's 4,000 meters of elevation. So it's like four times up Snowdon in the three days. Wow. Um, so it's pretty tasty in terms of the terrain and, you know, 
Uh, it's 90% trails. There's a little bit on the road on one section because it's isn't really a coastal path. But um, yeah, it was, um, if you're an ultra runner, it's a diff- different kettle of fish. Um, but me being an ex-rugby player, um, after my brain injury, it took me a year to be able to run without my head injuries, uh, symptoms coming back. Um, but last year, last October, literally a year ago, um, as we record this, I ran my first marathon. Um, and after do, I really enjoyed the process because I was sticking to a training regime that I completely made up myself that was focused on the breath. And I was enjoying getting back into running. Um, I had a bit of a thing of like, I'd always as a kid, like wanted to do a marathon or just thought that I should do a marathon. I've always loved sports and stuff. And when I was playing pro rugby, you can't go off and do a different sport because it'll interfere with your training. So never really had the opportunity before. And um, yeah, I'd signed up to this trail uh, off-road marathon um, last year and, and, and did that and really enjoyed just trying to use using using running as a way to train your breathing like day to day as you're as sat here now or someone's listening to this just sat in their car or whatever you probably can't even notice your breathing because you're not doing anything it's almost just in the background going under the radar but as soon as you start running and running being nice and cyclical like your your breath is just your your body needs more oxygen you're creating more carbon dioxide you notice your breathing straight away and that became a very a, a nice way for me to just experience the breath, connect a bit deeper internally to that breath and, and use it as a way to train better breathing. Um, and so I didn't push my pace. It was always, I was never trying to reach a particular time or particular speed. I gradually got better as my breath got better, but it was a way to just focus on the more efficient I can be with my breathing, it's helping my running economy, but the more efficient I can be with my breathing, like I never feel tired. I never feel out of breath. Like that was my approach to the, to the marathon. Um, in training for that marathon, I only managed to get up to a, a half marathon, um, which people had said wasn't a, a great idea. Like you need to be able to go further, but I completed that marathon um, reasonably well. Um, after doing that, the idea of running the next day. I mean, I could barely walk the next day. Like I was bad, but it only really took me a day. And then the following, like that was on the Sunday. Then on the Monday, I actually did a training session. I'd recovered real good, but the idea of running another marathon the next day, just sort of, cause I just couldn't understand how people do these multi events. Um, and I'd seen a, I'd seen a documentary on BBC, um, of the world's toughest mountain race, which is in North Wales, was in Wales called the dragon's back, where they run from North Wales to South Wales, Conway to um, uh, Cardiff castle over Mm -hmm. six days Mm -hmm. over the highest peaks in, in Wales. My, my mum and both my mum and dad are from North Wales. My sister lives there. Like I love the, I love that. It brings back very fond memories. And um, I was like encapsulated by this thing going, Oh God, I've run a marathon. These people are running like, multi-marathon like two marathons a day for six days yeah and i was like wow i was like i'm not stupid enough to sign up to that but then we found this smaller event anglesey where my sister lives oh i'd love to running around anglesey for three days that sounds beautiful like oh i love the sea and the coastal path amazing right how far is it okay well that's quite hard but i'll train for it like i train for this other thing i'll stick to my process the breathing the and training was great and everything um, I just didn't do enough distance in, in hindsight, but, um, 
yeah the the story of not being an ultra runner meaning like i'm i've done one now but i'm not one um and i definitely displayed that if someone saw me on on day three like i the furthest i'd run in a day before this was 30 miles um, and day one was 35 miles so day one was already a pb but I, having done 30, like I knew I could do 35 and day one was okay. It was harder to me, eight and a half hours. And I was hoping to do it in seven and a half hours on day one. You had a nine hour cutoff. So I was half an hour within the cutoff, but it was late than I wanted. Um, and it was a bit, and it was harder than I wanted, which then obviously, you know, that that's going to carry on into, into day two. Um, yeah. And it just sort of gradually got, um, got worse from there. <laughs> dude first of all man you know i think you, you know, cut yourself a bit of slack you are an ultra runner you are it's like you're a, you know you can say you're a marathoner can't you when you've run a marathon you're an ultra runner um yeah you know, i don't know i i uh i don't know i like when i played rugby i never used to like sort of you know you say like but people ask you what you do for a living mm. and i was i was like the problem see the problem with saying i'm a rugby player when you're playing rugby is that what, what two things one what about when you're not a rugby player anymore because you can't do that for your whole life mm. um and then secondly it's great when you play well at the weekend mm. but what about when you play badly mm. what what about when you get dropped what about when you're not in the team what about when you're injured you play this roller coaster that's a week on week there's not many jobs where literally you're imagine if you went to work and every week everyone within your team at work, plus your boss, plus a load of just people come and watch you. And then a load of them just tell you crap. Mm. And when you've said, I'm a rugby player, when you're bad at rugby, you then take it personally as like, I'm crap as a person. So like um, coming away from that and then like just taking on another new label, but mm. equally like I, my whole background of being from rugby, like I just see myself as still an ex- rugby player like i could go and run another hundred ultra marathons in the rest yeah. of my life i still wouldn't call myself an ultra runner yeah yeah uh, I, I get what you're saying yeah the closest thing i've got to that and it's not that close is i worked in telesales for like a number of years awful job because like the highs are great when you make a deal and you get some dosh but then the lows are awful because everyone's getting <laughs> deals around you your, your boss is just calling you a piece of poo and you're just like everyone's against you and so like and then you just think i'm the worst salesperson in the world so it's, it's not obviously in the same ballpark but that's when you said that it just reminded yeah, yeah, me of yeah, yeah. no it awful is, job. It is place your mental health that did um so so look, why did you do that then what was the purpose of that so there obviously was the breath purpose but there was a deeper meaning wasn't there behind you the raising yeah, the cash I mean, and... yeah um it's strange in that it like it it dramatically changed as time went on like it was it was a i guess on the surface level to start with it was a um it was a new challenge, something I'd never done before. I'd not really challenged myself like this type of thing for ages. It, it mm. gave you a little bit of, gave us something to train for. Like the amount of running I'd done dramatically increased because you always knew in the back of, nagging in the back of your mind, even when it was like a year away. Mm. It was like, you've got that massive run, running around Anglesey, you better go and do some running. Um, so on the surface level, it was, it acted, it acted as that. Um, there was the whole thing of like, I really enjoyed the running to connect Um with the breath um, and just that area of the world in Anglesey and in, in North Wales was very, 
um, say special for for our family um, and going there to visit my sister and then do some training runs and that type of thing um, and then I guess things changed in uh, in March my dad uh, got really ill with with cancer and passed away in in April um, and I lived at home for a month to help my mum look after him and um the i guess not just during that time but afterwards that running is just that little like people i know a lot of people have these types of things where you know running is almost like the meditation or just the time away or just a time to just like be on your own and be with your thoughts and try and process some things um yeah it it sort of like the running became that for me um and then it being almost like in my dad's back garden type of thing from his you know, type of where he would be as a kid and things. And I was like, yeah, uh, I went into that, that event thinking that I was going to have myself challenged like personally. And, 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 it, and I was very curious and interested to see when you are like, scraping the bottom of the barrel of like what you've got left in the tank like where's the body and mind gonna go to and, and very interesting where the mind was going to go to because as the body's the body um and i was just totally underprepared for like what that ended up being because not not because i want i wasn't hoping i wasn't trying for it to be it, it, it effectively turned out that I just not was not prepared physically or mentally for, uh, let's say that even just the lack of sleep, like I slept for about 10 or 20 minutes on the, it was, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So the Friday night, Saturday night, 10, 20 minutes sleep. That was it. Um, and just, I just never like the, the first day, 35 miles. I'd never ran that far before. Mm-hmm. The second day was 67 miles. Well, that was more than twice as far as I'd ever run ever. And then the last day was 33 miles, which again was further than I'd ever run. So it was like this, this compounding of like basically PBs of like, you've never done. And the body, well, I've learned, one of the things I've learned is that the body doesn't, body responds like, well, once it's done something, but when it's to do something, it's never done before, like three times in a row, it's not a great idea. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, yeah, that wasn't necessarily the plan, but it, it, it put me in a place where, on the morning of the third day, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to get out of the bed. I was in this camp of animal sisters and I didn't want to get out. I didn't want to go to the start line. I felt sick. I was shaking. I said to my wife, says, I can't go. I, I'm, I'm sick. like, a, I really didn't want it to get to this, but, I can't do this. Mm. Um, and she was like, just try and get up. Otherwise you'll regret it. Mm. And I got, I mean, I got up, but then it was like, it didn't get any better. I mean, I was, um, you remember being, I was on the, I was on the toilet at my sister's house and, and my sister came in again. It was like, I had these like three angels to be fair, where, um, I was sat on the toilet. I couldn't even poo. Like I was literally had nothing in the tank and I was, and I was, I was crying. 
and she came in to wish me good luck for the last day. But obviously could see us. And I was like, I said, Susie, I can't do it. Can't do it. And she said, just try and get in the car. That's the first step. Mm. And I sort of like blubbling it. I was like, because she'd not said, she didn't challenge, she didn't challenge me at all. She didn't say anything other than just actually break it. Because I'd broke this whole thing down into the different checkpoints and how far each thing was. to. But I'd never actually considered like getting to the start was actually, and actually getting to the car and then someone else is going to drive the car. So don't worry about that next step. But then there was <laughs> getting out of the car was difficult. But yeah, she, she broke it down to a step that I could take. Mm-hmm. And even when I was in the car, I was like, this doesn't mean I'm doing this thing. Cause like I can't walk. I can't get my, couldn't get my left shoe on. So my foot was swollen from a rock I'd kicked on the first day and blah, 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 like, all that sort of stuff. But somehow we we got through this thing and what it ended up being was the opposite of like a personal challenge. I was not just like broken and couldn't do it. I'd literally in my mind was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I've given up. I'm thinking about what's the worst case scenario. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm literally saying to myself, you're an idiot. Why did you think you could do this thing? And I was embarrassed. I was hugely embarrassed. When we got to the first, when we got to the uh, race briefing on day three, I couldn't look at anyone in the face, mainly because I was like sat crying still, but I disrespected the event. And by disrespecting the event, I disrespected everyone else that was there. Everyone else, I was, there was two of us sat down the other one was about a 65 year old bloke. <laughs> Everyone else was standing, walking, chatting, like, okay, people be stiff and whatnot. It's they've, you know, they're going through, but they were okay. And actually they deserved to be there. Whereas I didn't like, you're not supposed to be in that type of state. Um, and I don't recommend it. And I mean, it took about 20 minutes for us to do the first kilometer, I think, which is like beyond slow walking. Mm. Um, but somehow we got to the first checkpoint. There was three more on the last day. Um, and it was only because of the support of a a number of family, but number one was, was my wife. And I went, say I went into the event thinking it was going to be a challenge and the, I was going to personally go through and have to go through a physical and mental experience. And uh, what ended up being was just totally reliant on another human to, to pull me through. It was just beautiful that that human was, was my wife. And uh, we recorded some reflections for, because <laughs> the other thing that was quite embarrassing was I had two guys filming it for a little mini documentary we were making. And I was like, and I had two companies paying for him, for, for the for the guys to film. And I was like, what on the, on day three, I'm going like, you idiot. Like not only did you turn up to this thing, disrespecting it, you've also got two companies to pay money to have two guys film it. What are you going to say to them? What's the story of this? Oh, uh, we tried hard. 
and we gave it our best, but you know, we weren't good enough. Like there's no, it's not story. It's not going, that's, this is, that's just what it's, what it's, this is for. And, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was mentally in a very, very, very bad place and interesting. I believe in positive thinking and you know, all that sort of stuff. But what I learned, one thing I learned was thinking was almost a waste of energy. The only thing that mattered was like taking an actionable step, which the instruction, which I'd given like so simple and so small, you could actually do it. Um, and then, yeah, we, uh, family there supporting and actually being forced into a place where almost like everything stripped away. And I was like, I got nothing. I can't give you anything. And just taking one step at a time. But literally my wife, like 50 or 100 meters ahead, carry my food, carry my drink, just encourage me to come. She did 80 in the end, 80 of the 135 miles. Wow. The further she'd run ever was 15 miles. And she wouldn't hadn't prepared to do it. That she she started running with me early doors on day two because she knew she could just see that I needed it. Um and yeah, uh, say it was. Uh, we'd recorded some reflections with um, with the guys last last week uh, to, for sort of like the end of this documentary. And uh, Jack, the, the the filmmaker, was um, just probing some very simple questions, and he he managed to draw out a parallel that I'd not realised, or drew out of me this parallel that like there was a. It was just this beautiful period that was, was sad, but also beautiful when, when my dad was, was dying, where he was stripped of absolutely everything. Like, in just, there was nothing. Stripped down to nothing. And all he wanted was my mum. And all he needed was her. That was it. Nothing. And it was... It was it was it was beautiful, and uh, I've as still when I sort of say or think about it, it was not a, you know, I, I feel bad about it in terms of almost finding this parallel because it's you know this was just a stupid run. It wasn't I wasn't dying or anything. This was like my dad's life, but there was there was an element of like I just I was I had nothing. And there was only there was only just one person that I wanted, and that was that was my wife, and she did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it it took it from a a personal challenge of this run to like literally like a, a team effort, that, like spearheaded by her. But then there was like my mother, my mother in law, my, my both my sisters, my sister in law, my my brother in law, like everyone there, just like doing doing their bits to literally just drag me around this thing. Um, you know, and, and and that's why it was it was certainly far from me being an ultra runner. Um I, I haven't seen this the raw footage of the of what the guys have, have captured for the documentary. I'm very excited to to see what that's like. But um yeah a good way to describe it was like when I crossed the finish line, um my mum gave me a hug that was like it was as if I died and come back to life. <laughs> That's the way she, and so, 
yeah look it was it was it was not an individual experience it was uh i've been reflecting a lot on this and it was like we connected we connected deeply and that and it's and that's the type of thing that i've realized like i'm i'm searching for um it's almost like i didn't know what i didn't i i thought i knew what i wanted from or why i was going into that event and it gave me something completely different mm. and on reflection it's like actually yeah i didn't know that that's what i was searching for i wanted but it gave me exactly why what i needed because i'm someone that's like i could be socially quite awkward like if i ever you may have you, you you may you may or may not have seen me in, in different lights at that event like we were at that auction vantage event where um if i don't know people and knowing new people for the first time like i can it's not on purpose. I just find it difficult to, to make those connections. Like when I don't know, it can take me a while to, to feel comfortable with people to actually be myself and then be vulnerable enough to actually like, you know, really connect. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that, that for whatever reason, that's just what, that's just what my personality is like. Whereas when I know everyone in a room and then I can just, you know, and I'm a Gemini. So there's like two sides to me. There's like, I'll, be the joker and, and, and what have you but then there's yeah there's that other side and what <laughs> i don't i say i don't recommend it i'm not proud of it at all or, or or happy about it in a way like the fact that i was so underprepared that that event was just uh, beyond my current ability mm-hmm. to run for that long but what it did was it it, it took me to a place of like total vulnerability where then that allowed um i don't know what even the word is of like for the opposite of chosen word i tried to explain this the other day of like if you fall over and you need me to pick you up from the ground i'll pick you up from the ground because i want to help you but i don't throw you up in the air into the sky into the clouds up into heaven i just pick you up to where you need to be which is back on your feet but if you're so far down a hole i mean like only as broken as you are is only how much help and love and support can I show you. So if you go to the point of being like at the end, then someone can show you that they can bring you all the way back up. That's mm. what it felt like to me. Mm. Sorry, I've just gone there. <laughs> That's beautiful. What what do you take away from that? Is it what what's the what's the message that or, or the lesson for you? Is it love? Is it a partnership? Is it something else? What what do you what have you walked away from that with? Um, I think for still, still trying to work elements of it out for sure. Um, (laughs) there's some like surface level practical things of like, if I do try and do another event, what I'm definitely going to do, but no, the, the, the main things is like that, that understanding of what's the day of like, okay, so I am searching for deeper connections and an appreciation of like, okay, that doesn't come natural to me. Mm. Um, and so, but I don't want to have wait until doing another event like that. Cause it was, wasn't good for my health. Like I, uh, all of my brain injury symptoms started coming back and I had a, I had a headache for, for six days afterwards. Um, it's not good for the body. Um, so I don't want to have to go there physically sort of abuse myself to get myself to a point of being vulnerable enough to literally like take all the help in the world that people will, will show you. And, um, but it's opened up a, 
it's opened up a bit of a, a realization of like, okay, like where do we, how do we start to cultivate those types of like connection experiences or can, you know, being able to like, you know, go deep with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, mate, thank you so much for sharing. You're a great storyteller and I was captivated and obviously <laughs> I've seen some of this and heard this before. I can't wait to, to watch the documentary. Have you ever come across the book Tribe by Sebastian Younger? Have you ever heard of that or read that book? No, I haven't. Oh, no. dude, it's it's a, it's a beautiful book. He, I'll, get, I'll try and get this wrong. I think, I think, I don't know if he was in the military, but he went around and there's a couple of, couple of examples. One of them he gave was um, after September 11th in Manhattan, suicide dropped and right. people on people getting medication for depression dropped actually got better and then right. the other example he talked about was like um i think it was like during like when croatia when there was all that war stuff going off in, in the like the 90s right. um people reflect on it saying it was a really horrible time but i really miss it because i knew my neighbors we were together yeah. we were bonding and and these kind of traumatic events, they kind of brought people together to the point where yeah. people weren't, you know, were, were feeling mentally better. So and it just, it just kind of, kind of no. brought me back to that little You're bit. Right. Where You're you, right. You, you stripped yourself down a bit. You put yourself in this vulnerable position, but through that came all this like additional love and deeper connection. And Yeah. So like a, a, a good, a good example as anyone, some people that know me well would, would, would laugh at this of like, I'm, I've been described in the past as like, I'm an awkward hugger in that like, like I say, it can, I can just have that like social awkwardness, but like, if you'd have, if you'd have seen me at any point during that, if I, if, if I saw you and I knew you on that run, like you were getting hugged and you were getting big hugged. Cause it was like, almost like that. I could like your, your energy, like was, it was just, like, I was just like craving it. I just like mm. needed it. Mm. Um, and why it's, do, why do you think that was? I think there's, there's a physical touch that mm. energy is is shared there's a physical touch gives us a um a difference in in connection for sure and like yeah yeah but it, and it's funny so it's not like it's it's not like now i'm like just this totally different human being that goes around hugging everyone but it's like it's almost like the first i always say this even when teaching someone about breathing it's like first step's always awareness it's like in a normal setting now, I'll, I'll probably still be a pretty awkward hugger, but I've I've got an awareness of like what I can do and allow myself to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and what feels just right. It, 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 yeah, there's a... It's weird because it's like, you know... About five minutes after we crossed the finish line and everyone finished crying, I sat down with Catherine and I said to her, that's Mrs. Jack and wife. I said to her, why do we do these things? And when I said we, I didn't just mean like me and her, I just meant everyone here. Like, why do we do these things? I, I, I did have an appreciation. Like this was just a stupid run, but uh, there's, There's just something in an experience like that that you just I feel like getting closer to like what are we here for? Like what's life really about? 
yeah. and we know we're we're designed to live in community with other people and yeah. you know rather than strength being like i can do it and you know typically in our culture in the particular western culture like you know someone that can like as strong as they can you know they don't rely on other people and they can do it themselves and like i'm feeling like it's the opposite yeah 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 i had a, had this realization about five years ago i um have you ever come across the camino de santiago yes i'd love we would love to do oh, that oh dude so i did that have you for, done it yeah I, it's uh i've got i've got two bands on my wrist and one of them's from the wim hoff retreat i did and the other one's from uh from the camino and uh that how was far the, is the full do you do the full thing full thing it was uh 500 miles in 33 days and so not it's not in your league wow. but i was exhausted and no, on, it, that was four times further than I went. But it was That's... like you had your backpack, and I was yeah. really, I really overpacked. And um, on one of the days, I did uh, forty-six kilometers because I was trying to double up at the end. And that was about twenty-eight days into it, so I'm exhausted. Wow. I That's remember just a... passing out that day. But yeah. um, it, the things for me that stood out were the community because yeah. I made friends. I went by myself, and I made a group oh, of wow. friends. And anybody you speak to on this Camino, you just ask the question, why are you walking? And boom, you have this so big, easy, deep exactly. conversation. It's not like, oh, how was your Monday? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, how was you? know, it's like yeah. a real conversation. Yeah. The sun yeah. was shining. We were eating together every night, groups of people. Um, and I walked away from that going, people are the most important thing. Yeah. I, I hadn't valued Hundreds. that before. I thought it was money. I thought money was the most important thing. I was really? like, it's people. Yeah, this is yeah. So I've I've grown. I was like, because I remember thinking, if I'm rich, I'll be happy. You know, I'm not yeah, rich, yeah. but I remember thinking, money will bring. And I was like, no, no, that you can be a miserable yeah. millionaire, but you can be you can you know if you've got family and friends and connection and community. And, and we've yeah. lost all that, didn't we? We're in this position now where we're all isolated, and it's uh, but we're all waking up to it. So it's quite yeah. it's exciting times. But dude, congratulations, mate! Thank you for sharing that um you did a, you, you were raising money for charity as well weren't you, you want to tell people yeah. and can they still donate to that yeah yeah well, yeah we, i can i can we, we can, can link put the link in the yeah. show notes yeah um yeah so petals charity um was uh was the charity um and they they provide support for families um going through um you know losses of 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 charles and um i'm, I'm forgetting the name i'm forgetting the word now um miscarriages sorry mm-hmm. um yeah so one of those things that is you know not spoken about a lot yeah um for obvious reasons but then it therefore doesn't you know get potentially the awareness that it that it needs and support those people have and you know um i remember there was one finding out like um from a sister and it was like you know didn't tell me till months and months and months afterwards everything that she'd gone through Mm -hmm. um and then speaking to other you know whenever you speak to you ask a friend if they've been through it it, the the chances are exceptionally high um so yeah it, it that was um that was the charity we're doing it for and um yeah, the 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 just giving page is still available for people right. to download. And I had a message from the uh, would raise like one thousand six hundred pounds so far. Amazing. Um, which yeah, it's it's funny these things aren't they? Of like, I've done so I've done a lot of fundraising in the past for um, Headway, which is a brain injury charity. Um, and we're talking more sort of when I had my brain injury almost like ten years ago, and 
I think we raised like 30 grand one year. It was like, it's it's hard to raise money for charities these days. And and, yeah. and the, the um, Petals, they said, you know, look, we're a very small charity. And they were like, £1,600 is going to make a dramatic difference to like what we can do over the next six months. You know, it was like a lot of people working part-time. So, you know, it would pay for someone's wages for six months that were only doing one day a week or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. they were, they were, yeah, they were exceptionally um grateful and you know i'm just grateful to be able to do do things like this that my body would allow me to do that and then everyone was there to, to, to drag me around to let me do that so if, if anyone does like to would like to donate anything then they you know it would be very very greatly received and yeah if you can if, we, if you could put the, the link in the show notes yeah, that'd for be sure. amazing oh, absolutely yeah so people watching and listening to this right now um that link will be down below so yeah if you can afford a couple of quid a couple of dollars uh that'd be much appreciated for the petals charity Dude, what a story! Uh, what a conversation! I've got, I've got a couple of uh, questions. Like, I just have some kind of final um, little segments at the end of the podcast where I just ask yeah. a couple of questions, just a bit of fun, really, just to close us off. Um, yeah. Obviously, we talked about Patrick's books and James's books. We'll put those to one side. What book would you recommend to people in the world of like breath or fitness or or anything really? What book would you recommend to people to have a look at? Um, oh, it is a good. This is one I've really um, enjoyed. Um, sentimental value for me in terms of like so when when my dad um passed and i said i was still at, at home and um had loads of like loads of books in all different bookcases so I'd, I'd like i don't know for whatever reason was we were, i was trying to help i think we was like moving some stuff out of some different rooms and just helping mum and whatnot and and then that so they'd be like you know when you're like moving stuff within a house and you like end up there was like a bookcase on the landing that wouldn't normally be there and there was just some things caught me i was like what's this what's this book and what's this book and my mum be oh your dad got that and i don't know if he read it or um he was always buying books you say and, and never reading them but there, so there was one um the title is called um there are places in the world where kindness I need to get this right the place in the world where kindness is more important than rules that's it. There are places in the world where kindness are more important than rules. And it's by Carlo Ravioli, or I'm going to pronounce it. I don't think it's actually Ravioli, but it's something like that. Um, and he's a uh, Italian philosopher mm. and quantum physicist. Oh, wow. Which is an what amazing yeah. combination. And yeah. so the whole, the whole book is, I don't know, 20 or more little chapters. Yeah. Uh, they're completely unrelated other than they're his musings about things, everything from like Einstein to COVID. Um, you know, each is just like three or four or five pages. So you could just pick up any bit, look at the mm. title and go, oh, that looks like interesting. And it's, it's yeah, brilliant, brilliant, cool. fascinating book. There you oh, go. Wonderful. Yeah, lovely. I'll check that out and I'll put that down if people want to have a look. Um, this one's a bit cheesy. If you're stuck on a desert island, you can only bring one breathing exercise with you. What would it be? If you're stuck on a desert island, you can only breathe one. Um, it'd be uh, breathing light. Yeah. So you'd have to, it couldn't not be, I think. Yeah, nice bit of breathing light. Yeah. And um, what does. I mean, we we in OA we say more about we don't really use breath work. We say it's breathing, don't we? But like, what does breathing mean to you? Or what does breath work mean to you? What does that like, conjure up? Or what what's your kind of explanation of what that would mean? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Um, I guess anything to do with influencing part of your breath, you know, 
the, the inhale, the exhale, or the pause, like there's those three areas of anything that you're doing with that to impact your physiology or if we can include sort of mentality, uh, psychology, like yeah. the, the the mental and physical aspects of of your body. Yeah, beautiful. Cool, man. Uh, any final words before we call it, a, call it an evening? Um, I, I do not... I, I obviously don't have a breathing podcast, but I was thinking of this the other day of like, if I did, um, like, you know, like a quick fire, like, like, like they've asked there, those questions yeah. of to go, if you had to choose, so this is me doing it the other round for you. If you had to choose breathe in or breathing in, breathing out or holding your breath, what would you choose? Oh, I really enjoy holding my breath at the minute, you know. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. You can have that. Add that, add that, to, that. Add that to the yeah. quick fire. I, I, have you ever done? I, I very quickly because I've got, a, I've got, we've got a draws to the end of it, But have you ever done static apnea? You ever play with that where it's like holding your breath underwater? But really interestingly, and this shows you like the psychological element of breathing. Mm. I have held my breath walking, so with some metabolic man, like ninety seconds. Mm got i don't know how many steps that was 150 steps or whatever like so i know an oxygen advantage breath hold holding my breath underwater guess how long after i find it really difficult oh i'm gonna say if you did 90 seconds i bet you can do three minutes about 10 seconds underwater oh interesting okay yeah i panic yeah there's no difference mm. i mean that, and that and it would be i wasn't even i wouldn't be walking i'd be static yeah 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 so no, metabolic man none Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you have any issues with being in the water as a kid that you're aware of? Not that I'm, not that I'm like, not like I've had a, it feels like I'm scared of a drowning incident yeah. that I can't, that I can't remember. Yeah. I yeah. definitely didn't drown as a kid because mm. I'm still, because I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. There's, um, I, I'm not a big fan of the water, but and I did it gradually. I, I just generally, and by the way, anyone listening to this, you don't do this by yourself. You do this with like a trained professional, but I was with, I was with the world champion guy that held his breath for 10 minutes and he was teaching wow. me how to do it. So we did a retreat with him a couple of months ago. And so you're going in the water and you're doing what we would call cadence breathing, yeah. you're doing conscious coherence breathing. And then you are going face down while you've got your buddy watching you and you're just holding your breath as long as you can. And as the water's hitting all your face, it activates all these dive sensors that just slows your heart rate down. And you go through a real mindfulness practice because you're fighting with yourself. How long can you hold your breath for? Because you know yeah. you've got loads of oxygen. So that's like my favorite thing to do at the minute because it's, nice. like, it's like, a pr that's like, that's my mindfulness thing. It's like, because you are, because uh, there was a girl there and she's known that's as she med that's your meditation that's right the meditation now, right? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. She, she, she was the mermaid she's called the mermaid of austria this girl she has this monofin and she she swims down she's a young girl she's in 22 23 but she's like gonna be probably a world champion i'd imagine but anyway she was doing six minute breath holds i was like how are you doing that that is mental and and she's saying she believes 75 percent of it was like psychological you just gotta calm yeah. yourself uh. and and the dude that did the breath this I'll just, last bit i'll just leave him because this blew yeah. my mind he was he's tried all the different different emotions to get him that world record and he tried every different thing tried to be angry and sad and joyful and he said the thing that got him to 10 minutes was thinking happy thoughts not joy mm. not gratitude happy so he tried yeah. them all and that, that was just really interesting to me like happy thoughts gave him that additional power to hold his breath for like 10 minutes you know anyway yeah. I just thought I'd leave it no, but that, it's, yeah. it's fast isn't it like it's something i am fascinated with as well like that psychological element yeah so you're breathing right we'll talk a lot about yeah chemo, chemo sensitivity and yes. blah 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 
and that's not to say that's not true yes but the bit that you can't measure or that's hard to measure the site like why i can't hold my breath very long in water why he when he thinks of happy thoughts yeah. holds his breath there, there's there's a, a hugely untapped area there that yeah. yeah i think is i don't understand but i do think is fascinating yeah for sure for sure dude it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you so much no, for giving up the time you. no thank you for having me no man and uh, people need to check out your uh, documentary when it comes out and i'm gonna put all the links down below and uh, once again people make sure you uh subscribe to your stuff i will link to that and you've got an app you've got an app that they can go and pay yeah. for and do all your breathing exercises what's that called well, uh pro breathwork uh, so you can search pro breathwork on the apple or android store yeah. uh, but the uh, the foundations of breathing is completely free so there's oh, nine cool. nine Fantastic. modules within that lots of different videos recordings to listen to follow along improve the way that you breathe as I said, to change the way you think, feel, move and perform. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you click on all those links and we'll see you on the next breathcast. Cheers. Cheers, Jacko. Thank you very much. Right. Cheers. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that with David, Jacko. Wow. Now, here's the things. His links are down below. So I want you to now please, please click on the link to his, uh, his uh, documentary and watch The Ring of Fire. It's a wonderful thing. It's right here on YouTube as well. If you're listening to this, you can pop on over to YouTube and you can watch it. It's completely free. It's beautifully made. A lot of effort went into this. And it's important, I think, to tell his story, why he did what he did. And you've heard the director's commentary, I guess, on this podcast. Now let's go and watch it. Uh, just a couple of asks from me. Please, if you've not done so already, please could you uh, leave us a review uh, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. It takes a few seconds, a few clicks of your thumb. And actually, it just helps us grow the awareness of the podcast. The bigger we get the podcast, the more guests we can get. The bigger the guest names that we can get, the more value that I can bring you. So please do that. Um, if there's somebody you think might benefit from functional breathing and maybe hasn't learned that yet, please share this podcast with them as well. And finally, are you on my newsletter? I send you... Uh, updates, discounts, sneak peeks. I've got a big sneak peek coming out soon, a biggie, a real biggie. This podcast is going out now, 2nd, 3rd of Feb. In less than a week, there's a big podcast release or something happening. So get on the newsletter. The links are down below. Anyway, I'll see you over on Jacko's channel now. Let's watch uh, The Ring of Fire. Thanks, everybody. Bye.